Welcome back, everybody, to Your Creativity. It is a chilly Thursday afternoon. Um, unlike last week, we don't have an excuse to be cuddled in at home. We have to be out in the world and, and doing things and making money and hustling and, and changing the world like our guest uh, today. We've got Robert Xavier Fogarty, also known as Rx Fogarty. How are you? I'm good, Dylan. Thanks for having me. D- did I get that right? Yeah, brother. Yeah, I couldn't you tell from it. your look. It was kind of <laughs> you got it. So, um, you're a f- photographer, correct? Yeah. And um, you are the founder of Dear World. Tell us a little bit about that and where it started. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Dylan. And of course, um, I've been doing it ten years. Uh, started in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, um, and I started to ask people why they love the city. Um. And I asked them to write the first line to that story or their love for the city on their body uh, in in marker. And it was just really a way for me. I was a young, just out of college student. You know, I was down there working in the recovery after the storm, Hurricane Katrina. And yeah, it just kind of turned into a thing. It was the year the Saints won the Super Bowl. So it was kind of when the city was on on the rise again, and people were feeling like winners uh, and and really joyful about their home. And so I was just running around the city asking people why they loved it. And uh, the precursor to Dear World was actually called Dear New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. And this was a, this was in twenty oh nine, twenty ten, kind of at like peak social media before. Before like you before had to pay, ugly. <laughs> well, before you had to pay to play, you know, like yeah. all your posts, like, so in New Orleans, you know, our Facebook, like everyone would wait with bated breath to like see the next photo come out. And that's what I meant. Like when, when social media felt like you didn't have to pay to have your, your post seen. Yeah. When uh, people could see your content without you. Yeah painting an arm and a leg yeah so that was kind of you know and I, i'm very grateful t- for those days yeah. of like being able to kind of start as an entrepreneur <laughs> like what is this <laughs> thing and so yeah 10 years later and one hundred and fifty thousand participants later we're still sharing meaningful stories with the first line uh is written on the person's body that's awesome let's talk about the new new orleans a little bit what were some of your experiences you know hearing from people and you know especially during the the Katrina situation uh yeah so I went to University of Oregon and so I was not there for the storm I was a senior in college and I moved to New Orleans uh in the AmeriCorps it's kind of like the domestic Peace Corps I did two years of service there and really fell in love with the city changed my life Dear New Orleans started not in the immediate aftermath. You know, it wasn't uh, kind of a crisis response. It was really started in this recovery phase. And when the city started, uh, I think, you know, when the Saints won the Super Bowl, this was 2009, 2010, which was actually five years after the storm. But, you know, this kind of slow recovery hit a lot of momentum in that fourth and fifth year. Um. 
and I was a journalism major and already writing about the city. And, and so really it was just a, you know, happenstance and right place, right time kind of thing to start asking people to sit for these portraits. Um, I often wonder if like the saints hadn't have won the Super Bowl that night. Our very first shoot was on Super Bowl Sunday, the day oh, the cool. Saints won the Super Bowl. I set up in the back of a bar and asked people why they love New Orleans. And so I, I like it was wild. If the Saints would not have won that night, I don't know if I, who knows, maybe I wouldn't. But like the Saints win and the photos, you probably would have gotten some different answers. It was just yeah. a, you know kind of a lot of things. You know, you look back at life and you're like, a few things go differently, and your life is totally different. So. The Saints winning that night, I think, uh, really propelled the momentum of the series. And the next thing I know, I'm photographing Drew Brees, <laughs> who is, you know, the famous quarterback of yeah. the team. And, like, that doesn't happen without them winning that game, you know. Right. Uh, so it's all been a kind of a, a series of fortunate events. And you were also worked with the, the mayor's office down there in the recovery and development? yeah. That was my first, you know, I've been on my own for 10 years now, but my first role was, um, I was embedded in city hall in new Orleans, uh, and worked for three years, two in the AmeriCorps and one is, uh, just a, a staffer of the mayor. Um, so three years kind of deep in the recovery and civic, you know, municipality space. Um, Utah's never had anything like that. Like when we had the, the tornado come through. I think that was, that seems like the closest thing to, you know, a, a disaster, you know, aside from our earthquakes back in March. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, it, it's interesting to see people come out and be helpful and, and things like that. Um, so, uh, Dear New Orleans evolved into Dear World was, and was Dear World the company before the, the kind of nonprofit? What what's the timeline there? I I didn't get that far in my yeah. Uh, well, I've been at it ten years. Um, Eleven with Dear New Orleans. Um, so the company is actually still incorporated as Dear New Orleans LLC. So it's fun to, you know, when we send invoices to clients, <laughs> it's still Dear New Orleans LLC. And um, you know, the entrepreneur in me was I wanted to figure out a way to offer a valuable service. Um, so it's, it's always been a for-profit. And then we just got to the place where we figured out the business and then started the nonprofit about six years ago. Okay. Um, and we just donate a portion of our profits uh, into the nonprofit. And that's how we um, underwrite some of the kind of series that we've done around the world, whether it was the, uh, we went to South Sudan with Oxfam did a big series with Orlando Pulse nightclub survivors. So underwriting the hard cost of those uh, um, projects, we do that out of .org. Um, the travel and the staffing. And absolutely. And, you know, I'm a big believer at this point, you know, artists need to be paid. Uh, and I've kind of made that a part of like, look, you know, when we bring our crew and we bring, you know, we're, we're paying people to do that work. Um, and, you know, .org has been, a, a very nice vehicle to be able to do that work. Awesome. And you talked about the different campaigns. Uh, 
Dear Nurses is your newest one, and we'll talk about that one in a bit. But uh, share some more of the, the past ones. You mentioned a, a few there. Um, I'm trying to start. Sudan one. What was the one you did with like ESPN, some sport-related one? Yeah, we've done a lot in this in, in sports. Um, you may remember a man named Stuart Scott. Um, he was a very famous uh, ESPN sportscaster who passed away from cancer. Um, I met him in the waning days of his life and photographed him for the for the series, and it ended up being the cover of his memoir. Uh, the memoir is called Every Day I Fight. So we partnered with the V Foundation for Cancer Research um, on a series with his daughters uh, as a memorial. And also a very famous basketball coach named Jim Valvano, um, who passed away from cancer um, in the 1980s. But his the V Foundation is the, his namesake and has raised several hundred million dollars for cancer research. So we did a series in tribute to him with um, Mike Krzyzewski, who's the Duke basketball coach and Team USA basketball coach, and, as well as a guy named Dick Vital, um, who's a very famous <laughs> yeah. sports caster. So those are, those are two projects we did uh, kind of in the sports, but also uh, as a tribute and partnership to the V Foundation. Okay. Uh, uh, dear nurses, so that, that did that one kind of come out of COVID and just the, those first line responders being so prominently important to what's going on? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, you know, the world changed for all of us uh, nine, ten months ago, and we we were already in in negotiations for something different with the American Academy of Critical Care Nurses, which is an association of critical care nurses from around the country. So when COVID happened, they called us and, you know, we're like, we, we should do something. So um, really proud of the project. We partnered with with them as well as a local hospital back in New Orleans called Oshner Health and spent about a week on the ground there going uh you know very deep with 40 nurses across hospitals in south louisiana um and i learned a ton about uh the nursing profession and how important they are on in, in particular uh, with bedside care and bedside manner and uh, but the series is really just these first person um, stories from these nurses, some about what they've witnessed during COVID, but others more about their own lives. And, you know, um, we don't, we don't kind of box people in, yeah. um, when I'm in an interview with them, we kind of, I have a very specific style of interviewing, um, that we deploy, um, whether it's with a CEO or a nurse or a refugee or a athlete, you know, I, I kind of walk them through a method, um, that we've developed and we kind of let the, the interview go uh, where they want it to go. And sometimes it's very vulnerable and personal or, and sometimes it's very uh, more like as an observer. Um, so the nurses project has a lot of, I think out of the 40 stories, really a strong spectrum of, of uh, insight and in what it means to be a nurse. My mother-in-law, she's a nurse at uh, the um, baby nursery up at, uh, LDS hospital 
Not LDS. Um, the other one. Intermountain? Salt Lake Regional. Okay, Salt Lake Regional. I Did it get renamed? It, every few years it gets yeah. renamed or something. <laughs> the place where I was born, my wife was born, and my son was born. She's in the maybe nursery there, so she's a nurse doing that. And then my cousin in California, which this is affecting her much more directly. She has the long days, and she's in there taking care of it. So seeing this type of thing where nurses are, you know, spotlighted on it, it it's really awesome. It's been fun. Uh, you know, anecdotally, we've had a lot of nurses from around the country send emails in saying thank you for, for the work and, you know, you got us. And, you know, I think that's all you can ask for as you try and create art, um, but art that is um, also intensely personal for the subjects. Um, and to have other people who who can empathize and identify with them, kind of corroborate that you got it right, is is like a really cool feeling. And by, with the 40 people deep, you probably got got it figured out re- really well, probably pretty quick as you were going through them. Um, can you reframe your yeah. question? Yeah, um. <laughs> well, where was I going with that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I had a moment of genius and then it left me <laughs> or all, something all or, good, a moment, or a moment not of genius. All good. <laughs> um, who, who inspires you? Probably seeing all these amazing people through all these different campaigns and everything, tons of inspiration somewhere, but you know, you personally growing up, you know, trying to develop your, your style or, you know, who you are, what kind of people have inspired you? Well, great question. Can I take a second? Oh, yeah, for sure. Hmm. So I think creatively, I've always been fascinated by the great, um, by the great writers, um, specifically um, guys like Gay Talese and Norman Mailer in the new journalism space, Um, you know, writing nonfiction in a way that felt very almost fictional, like their scenes. Um, and you know, I think the best people to do that, um, in a contemporary space are actually sports writers. Um, but not sports writers talking about the games themselves. I love profiles of athletes that may be, you know, two or 3000 words and never really talk about, what he or she did on the court or the field. Um, so I really enjoy the kind of human interest pieces of athletes. Um, yeah, me too. I'm not a big sports person, but like a good sports documentary, I'll sit there and just, just right. eat it up. So 30 for 30 on it. You, those, yeah. those are incredible, I think, narrative pieces. Um, you know, back further and kind of my own, you know, I'm the son of an artist um, my mother was a visual artist and, um, I think as I, she's been gone for 20 years. So I've been, uh, increasingly more, uh, aware of what a talent she was. Um, she died when I was pretty young, you know, I was a freshman in college when she died. So I don't think I had a true appreciation for the crafts and her talent and also her consistency and her execution. Uh, until now that I'm, you know, I'm 37 now 
and have been at it for 10 years, I still am nowhere close to her level of execution and discipline. I've been, uh, we talked to that, we're, we're at Wise Guys, recording at Wise Guys, and I, I do the art for the club, and I've been doing it 10 years, and I'm, I'm still figuring it out. There's others that are out there that are like every day, you know, killing it every day, and they're consistently, you know, their consistency. I, I look up to that, so. Well, look, you, yeah. I was just telling you off, <laughs> yeah. you know, as we're, like your your con, your dedication and your consistency to this this podcast is 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 incredible. It's my sanity right now. <laughs> it's what's keeping me together. My rock, my central, what's the my constant? Why do you think uh this has become your your kind of uh refuge? I like being inspired and like I I'm glad every week I'm able to find somebody to talk to about what they do and they love and they're, you know, they're, they're living on it. Um, someplace, you know, it's partially, that's someplace I want to be. I still haven't quite figured it out yet and doing a dozen different things just to hopefully make things work, but just, it just keeps me inspired. You know, yeah. I, I usually don't get too down. But like if I have like no input of people doing great things and doing great, even in these bad times, you know, I just get brought down. Wow. Man. <laughs> so it, it, it's almost become kind of a uh, part of your like like your mental wellness routine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I released episode on mo- the month on Monday, so you know. It's just me building myself to that kind of that high, I guess, of the release of the podcast. So, you know, just the build up of the process. How often have you missed? I mean, what what happens when you have to make things? I'm I'm curious about your editorial calendar and making sure you're, you know, I mean, it sounds like you probably learned a lot in the in the last 110 episodes, right? Of like, well, the early days I had a producer. He did the editing and everything, but he. Uh, for sporting events, he was like a cameraman. Yeah. So when it's sports season, he was so busy and it would take weeks for him stuff together to, uh, to post. And, you know, when I had time sensitive stuff, it just got very frustrating. Yeah. So when I got handled, you know, the reins to the network and, you know, to the editing and stuff, you know, I had that control. So, you know, and if I miss a week, it's, it's not a big deal. It, we keep it organic and laid back and, stuff but if i can release every week you know i will and this year i've been very lucky that it's been every week most of the most of the year cool that's better than i can say man for sure i think you know some of our stop and starts have always been because of the you know just the 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 not finding the right funnel and system architecture to be like no we got it this this has to happen today this has yeah. to happen next week this has to you know um so it's uh, yeah, kudos, setting a schedule kudos to you man definitely helps to you know that's what helps me going on it's like i'm doing this today okay what do i need to do this it's just scheduling yourself helps so remember that people you know give yourself a schedule do you find do you have a lot of people reach out to you asking for tips or tricks or advice? And I'm curious how many people 
want to boil the ocean. You know, they want they want to they want to get a podcast deal or they want to get a book deal. Like <laughs> they've never done a podcast. And like, what what are the expectations that versus reality uh, when people have maybe come to you saying, "Hey, I think I want to start a podcast." I'm so fascinated by that. No, not pe- nobody really has. Like some people that have had shows, like have sent emails. You know, they'd be cool to be on your network. And I check, you know, for the most part, I've checked them out, and they've been kind of hokey podcasts. Sorry, people, if you're sent that and you're listening, but you know. I'm a perfectionist. The previous uh, guy was, you know, kind of a perfectionist. So, you know, we're kind of snobby. We want a certain <laughs> level of stuff coming through. And yet I'm still here. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, not many people have approached. There's like some bigger websites in Salt, you know, a podcast in Salt Lake that, you know, they offer the producers offer those services helping people and, and they do really well and they probably know a lot better than I do because me it's this machine and you know just hit and miss figuring out what works and so yeah, yeah. you know I can I can help people out but like that's not really why you're yeah, yeah you're doing it no and I'm not doing it for money yeah. though I would like to <laughs> I need to figure out that part um, why do you that's a well can I go deeper like you want to make it something that makes money but you're also just declared you didn't you don't you're not doing it for money so well m- the money to more b- support my time that I'm putting right. into it you know uh, the costs of the cost of things and just you know my time a little bit right you know because multiple shows editing and it's just like, yeah it's got to be I, a lot of work yeah so it, it's more kind of and a supportive type of money, not like eh, greedy, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get back to you. Oh, my <laughs> the, bad. The, no, it, it's fine. But we're here to talk about you. Um, what situations are most creative for you when, like, coming up with these campaigns or just personally, you know, is it by yourself, working with your team? Um, I... I definitely find uh, inspiration in solitude. I spend a lot of time um, in my own head thinking of like what I would like to see or how I could do something differently. Uh, it's usually not until I verbalize it. I have um, a, a network of other creatives who are, I think, really important from a taste-making standpoint, uh, as well as my staff and, and people around me. Um, so... Uh, I do think though when I when I start anything I, I am typically have an instinct or an idea um, um, that then I need to go test out or you know get uh, affirmation that it's sounds like a good idea yeah <laughs> versus <laughs> and often sometimes though the the you know, I'm a contrarian too. You know, a lot of the people who think they're bad ideas make me want to do them more. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, no one would have thought, you know, most of my friends and family for many, many years were like, how do you make a living? Like, how, like you're right on people's bodies. Like what is, <laughs> <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, you know? So there's, there's a lot of the contrarian in me that, or stubbornness uh, that, you know, um, 
has has led to kind of the creativity i think you'll notice with our work if you if you look at our work there's creativity and constraint um and we've been very i've been borderline maniacal about that like i i don't actually take photographs of other people or things without writing on skin like i i just don't and i never have <laughs> so uh, for our end of podcast selfie we have to write on ourselves is that what pretty you're saying? much yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> All right. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I'm in my head a lot, but you know, I have my wife and my son that I bounce stuff off of, and you know, my co-hosts of the podcasts and friends, and it's not as a creator, it's nice to have that because if I just put stuff into the ether, it yeah, it could be scary. Who's uh, who's kind of your closest collaborator? Um. Well, right now I'm building a business with a friend. Um, so, um, on uh, for that, you know, we're doing a lot of cool stuff. And um, but the podcast, um, my co-host Steve, you know, he has a lot of great ideas. And um, I don't know, I, um, Teresa Flowers, who that yeah. you said you listened to her episode. Yeah, she was I great. collaborate with her a lot. I, I was actually texting me clear this afternoon before I come over. She's working on a new project up in Portland. So, you know, we we have a lot of back and forth. But, yeah, I've got probably half a dozen cool. people that, you know, are working on different things. So um, I'm trying to see what else I got. Describe what you do. How did you get to where you are today? In the research, I saw that you do a lot of public speaking. Is it is it mostly to share Dear World, or do you have other things that you um, talk about in those public speaking engagements? Uh, thanks for asking. Great question. A small minority of the public speaking is on general stuff. Um, it's almost entirely around um, dear world, and it's almost entirely around, um, well, pre-COVID, the speaking would, would lead to also a photo shoot of the attendees. So um, a lot of our success has been around the speech led to an interactive experience for the audience. Um, So my crew would stay behind and we'd photograph everyone who came to the talk and so they could get their own uh, portrait. So I would say 98% of the public speaking I do is, uh, or to corporations or to colleges, we're around the concept of like, let me tell you about this cool thing we do and some of these cool people we've met. And now we want to hear from you. And so we would stick around. And that was kind of how we built Dear World. Um, yeah. Instead of like signing a book afterwards, it was like, no, let's like take your photo, um, which was kind of a cool, I'm very proud of that hack of the very format of like what a speech could be. Like what if a speech was actually to hold space to get people thinking about their story and then, and then actually giving them an opportunity immediately to express that. I love that. And in the Instagram world, what they leave that we live in, even though the, inst- the algorithm screwed up right now, it, you know, you can, you see people's stories like that all the time Yeah, and your take on it. It's just amazing. Thank you. Um, 
I guess it's bonus question time because I've ran out of questions. Unless there's anything you want to cover that I didn't touch on. I mean, look, man. I mean, this <laughs> this is your show, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always make sure the guest shares something that they want to. Has, if, I, if I didn't, have ask you it. ever had a guest come up with something? Um, uh, in that, w- what question has spurned curiosity that I could repeat? Um. Well, guests usually just kind of elaborate a little bit on on things, but um, I think we covered a lot of stuff really well um, from what I prepared. So yeah, well, you guys reached out to me. What I, I kind of want to hear that story behind that. Did uh, Lucy find us somewhere? Did yeah, you Lucy see us found you. Oh, okay. So Lucy is an awesome person on my team who just is. Like uh, she's gonna be a governor of a state someday, you know. And so we've she's been just going down the the, you know, what do we what do, what do we do when we can't travel? Um, and I've never really done podcasts. It's not been something that's been uh, um something I've ever done. So she's like, well, why don't we get you on some podcasts? So, um, she's been uh kind of taking that uh to heart and you know she's had some success getting you know i think this is the first one i've actually done so this is cool oh cool um but we have a few more like she's kind of talking to a bunch of producers and looking at 2021 schedules and um i'm just it's it's uh, it's a really curious like platform podcasts in particular for a visual artist you know it's hard to describe the work audibly but i've i've enjoyed the experience of like watching her you know and find guys like you find incredible people in the mental health space um you know a lot of our works around mental health and wellness and so yeah i just and also she's just uh you know i really i'm inspired by you know go-getters and she's one of them yeah, she's awesome. I was very impressed with all the interactions I've had with her building to this. So bonus question time. Do 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 do. I've been tired today, so I'm oh, a, good. I'm a, I'm a little off. No, you're doing great, bro. <laughs> you're doing great, man. And this afternoon, my dog just used to be got used to me being home because I'm usually home in the afternoon, and he was pretty sad when I had to leave. What's your dog's name? Uh, Indiana. We call him Indy. Cool. We named the dog Indiana. <laughs> like Indiana Jones or Indiana yeah. the state? Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, Indy Spudnik. We got him in Idaho. So Spudnik is kind of... To, and then Mazioti. So what does creativity mean to you? That's our first, first bonus question. What does creativity mean to me... I, um, you've stumped him, ladies and gentlemen. I'm stumped. (laughs) You know, I don't want to give you like the world peace answer. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, answer this in in a similar way. Um, so I think creativity is, is contributing something unique to probably something that's already been done before. Um, I think, you know, we're sitting here in 2020, um, 
And if you can make a contribution of something uh, unique that feels uh, wholly your own, um, but is in tribute or honors the people who've come before you, I think that's creativity, actually. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we give each other enough credit or the people who've come before us um, that we kind of stand on their shoulders. There's nothing really unique anymore. There's no original ideas. It's all, it's all uh, what we've learned, what we've experienced, and hopefully people will honor and uh, tribute, you know, the people who've come before us. So those, those new takes on things, new takes on old things. Um, and I think that's where you can, you can create, your lane or your contribution that feels wholly your own, but with a recognition that yeah. we're nothing but the people who've come before us. Cause, um, we're talking to somebody like things being retro are like very big right now. Yeah, yeah of course. So yeah. Nostalgia is a huge yeah. and uh, I, currency. I, and that kind of sounds like what we're, we're talking about here. So yeah. Old, but new. Um, next is, um, speaking of past, who's your favorite Muppet and why? Oh my gosh. I couldn't even name a Muppet. Is that terrible? <laughs> so Muppet, Sesame Street, Dark uh, Crystal, in, any Jim Henson created. Thing. Any Jim Henson created. Um, I mean, I guess it would have to be Ernie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or Kermit the Frog. Um, both, both good choice. I loved Ernie growing up. Like yeah. I totally related with him. Yeah, I don't know if it's because people are annoyed with me most of the time, and they're they're the <laughs> Bert to my Ernie. But Gonzo's my my favorite. Now. Gonzo. Yeah. Wow. Just a weird guy being himself. Um, and then, then lastly, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? Oh man. I think it would be Ewan McGregor. Totally. I can totally see it. Yeah. That or Jude Law. Could see that too. They're just cool. They're just More like, so Ewan McGregor, but yeah. <laughs> Ewan McGregor yeah. for sure. Have He's you got that cool motorcycle shows yeah. too on Apple. Yeah, have you watched I it haven't yet? watched it yet, but I'm yeah, like. It's really cool. What a, like I, I've definitely been like, this dude's got it. He's he's figured it out, <laughs> and he's got an Obi Wan Kenobi series coming out on yeah. Disney Plus, which should be really cool. So, you and McGregor, you McGregor, that would be that's your final answer. Final answer, man. So, wh where can people find out more about you and Dear World, and the websites and everything? Yeah, uh, Dear World, um, and hopefully, if they've made it this far, it's D E A R, like a letter, not deer, like uh, deer antlers. Um, but a lot of people are like, dear world. Oh, cool. Like you're a, you know, animal, you're, you're an animal <laughs> rights organization. Yeah. Or, um, so dear world, like a letter, dearworld.com, dearworld.org, um, dear world on all the social. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rx. Oh, brother. This, fun. this has been a, uh, a pleasure. And Dylan, thanks for your time, man. No problem. Now we're going to go find some dry erase markers and, <laughs> take some pictures <laughs> all right brother all right. thanks man thanks
Bye-bye, everybody. Podcast is done, man. <laughs>